I feel like we should apologize at the outset of this episode. Uh, first of all, it's been a while since you joined us here in the Lions 24-7 podcast. Secondly, this is the second run-through of our intro. And the first, I believe, was the best intro we could have ever had on in podcast history. It was a test run, if you if we want to be serious here. where We we don't want to be serious, though. That's what, that's what made it so great. Because as I will now explain and did in our original fantastic Hall of Fame intro, uh, Sean and I are both a bit sore today because we have begun to undertake an eight-week program program we may or not may not stick with that is going to lead to our pro day which we've teased and mentioned here in the podcast due in early march we're going to compete in all the workouts that you'll see at a typical pro day it's a workout do a video it'll be a whole content series that started yesterday so of course today we're a bit sore and uh, i'm listing off the the workouts or the the regimen for today which includes a glute ham race which i have no idea what that is and you had the response of well, the first time I heard it, I heard glute hammer, and immediately the 14-year-old in me just, you know, started slinging jokes your way. And uh, unfortunately, we were test recording, which you know we were you, not. You we were thought, you thought was an intro, but. yeah, because the the joke was that's what was my nickname in high school, right? And glute hammer to was college, it, actually, if you want to be accurate here. Well, sure, yeah, I would love to be accurate. <laughs> I, I would love to not be serious as we start this out. But anyway, uh, it'll be a not so fun eight weeks. We'll see how it goes. Going to keep going with the next couple of days. It will be, you know doing our thing regardless here in the podcast. Well, you sent me the workout last week and and I was like checking them off. I'm like, first thing, uh, bench with chains. Nah, not doing that. Uh, moving on to some sort of ridiculous squat. Now, I think I'll pass on that. I'll, I'll stick to the Herschel Walker plan, you know, the push-ups and sit-ups, but everything else is... Ah, uh, yes, the 3,500 sit-ups and 1,500 push-ups. It's basically what I'm doing, right? It's 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 sort of a, a an abbreviated version of that, I guess I would call it, sort of modified uh, Herschel Walker plan on my end. But, you know, with time constraints and everything, we'll we'll get to something else. Well, you know, it's funny too because you can find that workout because otherwise all the other ones are from Exos or Athletes Performance, you know, stuff that you would have to hire just like the prospects are doing right now, right? You know, getting ready for the combine, these specific workouts and some of them are fine, but right, there's no way you do a bench press with chains and then this one, it's prone manual hamstring. Like there's no... There's no verb. I in have there. A, ham- a prone hamstring. It's it's prone to hurting. Yeah, I feel like we I might have already like that. done yeah. that just sitting here. Basically, yeah. okay, very good. Well, we're going to do that in early March. We'll give you uh, periodic updates to see how things are going in case a prone hamstring pops. Uh, but in the meantime, oh, we've it's got going to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for everyone. Yeah. it's going to pop at some point. Well, we've yeah. got plenty to talk about. As mentioned, uh, you know, in, in the article or, or in the description of this episode on iTunes, wherever you happen to be listening, we are going to unveil our all Franklin era teams. It's been four years since James Franklin and his staff arrived in Happy Valley. Valley, all the players that have come through, you could form your own team. We're going to do that. And it's interesting because our teams are pretty similar, but I think that the areas where we differ will obviously be interesting. And then I think the other part is the close calls that we made that we agree on will be good to explore too, specifically defensive line, offensive line. Yeah, defensive line, obviously a strength. Offensive line, there are some questions there because Franklin's really never had a good offensive line. So you can throw some players in and about there, but um, it's, it's just funny to see these positions. I mean, I think quarterback and running back are obvious, you know, uh, but tight end has not been strong outside of Mike Kosicki. I mean, there's really nobody else there. Linebacker has been an issue. I almost went a 4-2-5 just to anger some people out there, but Ah. some positions very strong, others not. And and you can see, you know, some of the current guys are going to go and probably going to be on this list. You look like a a Juwan Johnson or something like that could be on this list very well after next season. So um, I I think it's it's very much an evolving program. And with four years, it's there's guys moving out of the open. 
Ryan's system. There's guys, you know, that are still coming in right now that can eventually be on there. So, but it's just interesting just to see all the talent that's been in here. A bunch of NFL guys in there, a bunch of really good college players. In Soon there to be well. NFL guys. Soon to be NFL guys in there as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it, it's just a, a really cool thing to sort of uh, bounce around in, in, especially in January. Right. And I think the idea here too is not to take who had the best careers because again, you're looking for that peak performance, hopefully sustained for at least one season. Right. Um, so a guy like Carl Nassib, teaser, he's already on our teams and that's for what he did in 2015. But you look for the majority of his time at Penn State, you know, wasn't productive, was growing, really scout team player, but then explodes to lead, I believe, the country in sacks a couple of years ago. You know, was named All-American teams, was the best defensive end Penn State has had for that one season. Right. So that lands him on these teams. So, yeah, and I think there's a mix of that. There's guys that, that, that crush it like Nassib and then there's guys who are sort of sustained um, over a couple of years. And of course, there's guys like Barkley who, you know, have both of those Who? things. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I, I knew you wanted to go with Akil Lynch, and I, you know, I know Akil listens sometimes, so sorry about that. But uh, yeah, I, I think we'll go with Barkley. And, and we can start the team there. You know, let's, let's go okay. with Barkley. I mean, the, how big is the gap? I think that's the question between Barkley and everybody else. Well, it's, I mean, it's huge. I mean, he's going to be a top five pick. I did a, a, a gallery that, that everyone loves, of course, yes. the other day about where he's currently going in mock drafts. Mock drafts in January are silly, but the whole entire draft season is silly, so why not prepare with where does he currently sit? Right. Everyone, everywhere that I looked has him in the top ten. So that speaks to not only just his his pure physical ability, but how well he's thought of in multiple places in the rounded nature of his game. He's just a rare generational talent. So no matter what school you're talking about, I mean, th- there is a big gap with this guy, and he's automatic. For me also, because, you know, we did starting off and starting defense and special teams. He's returning kicks, yeah. which this was <laughs> this is his first season. He brings two back. He's a Big Ten special teams player of the year. Landed as an all-purpose player for multiple All-American teams because his rushing stats were down. But it's tremendous. I mean, and, and I'll tell you who he's back there with. For me, it, it's clear-cut. It's him and Trace McSorley. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, – I mean, we're, we're – of course, Hackenberg came through. McSorley took the ball and ran with it. And, you know, he's going to be the most productive quarterback in Penn State history. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter who the coach is, I mean, you're, you're throwing a guy out there that just has won games. He's he's put up really good numbers. And, you know, he's, what, top five Heisman next year in terms of the early odds? Around so, there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's really a no-brainer. And, and it's really you know, not close. So, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. So, I mean, he's, he's probably not going to be drafted as high as Hackenberg. But, you know, of course, that doesn't matter either. So Right, again, who – College production, College performance, production, their yeah. peak production. Now you have a fullback. This um this would not have been allowed had I known you were doing this at the outset, but you've made your this team is already. Solely to anger you. Penn State did play with a semi fullback a couple of years ago. Derek Dowry's my guy there. Um, obviously, he was, you know, he, he's one of those utility guys. He was great to have. You know, he played defensive line, played offensive line. Um, you know, he's a tough guy. He played hurt so all the time. strong. Yeah, strong guy, tough guy. Still, you know, still with the team as a strength guy. I mean, just to have a guy like him on your roster, and we'll get to some of these utility guys uh, later. To have a guy like him on your roster is great, but put him at fullback, and you immediately brought up the wildcat wrinkle from 2015, <laughs> where they threw him in there in front of the the wildcat and you know try to you know amend their short yardage and and obviously it didn't work but having a guy like that on your team is just going to help you out and, it, and it's just a hat nod to him because you know he went through so much at Penn State like I said he played hurt all the time I mean he yeah. this guy could not make a fist by the end of you know one of those seasons so I mean uh, hat tip to him he's my fullback uh, who's your fullback uh TBD 
Tee-tee. And it will never be deed. So it's you holding the sign saying Penn State yes. is a fullback. <laughs> blacking out during the whiteout game yes. uh, during the morning. Um, not really. That's a reference to a tweet that I had holding sure up a sign saying is. Penn State yeah. needs a fullback. Uh, did quite well, actually. Um, <laughs> but anyway, no, you know, in fairness, if you're going to pick a fullback, I like the Derek Dowry pick and, and not for what you mentioned a couple of years ago, which was one of my more critical teletapes I ever did in 2015 going basically. You had two weeks to prepare for Michigan. They're a front loaded with NFL talent. You've got a poor offensive the line and your big choice and twist and wrinkle is to go wildcat which there's nothing wrong with single wing offense except for when it's not accentuating your strengths you're just amplifying your weaknesses by saying okay we'll bring bigger bodies taco charlton doesn't mind that so they they brought in six offensive linemen but Derek dowry i think you know he's compact i think his his shorter arms might have hurt in addition to those injuries that he had of course he gets supplanted in the starting lineup in 2016 by Connor mcgovern but he's tough he's physical as i mentioned so strong so if you need that one yard the closest thing to a fullback oh i'd follow them there i mean i'd follow them into the goal line you know into a bar fight you know Derek Dyer is a solid pick um now, fortunately, like our backfield with McSorley and Barkley, we're also in agreement across the board when it comes to the wideouts. Really? Chris Godwin. By the way, I haven't seen Andrew's team yet. He's looking yeah. at mine right now. But yeah. so no, he's I'm, got the advantage here. Yes, and shielding uh, my own. Uh, Chris Godwin, Deshaun Hamilton. And then the third spot is a little bit trickier, but uh, we both went with DeAndre Tompkins. Yeah, I thought it was going to be you know something that we could throw back and forth. And I'm looking at the gap between those first two. Uh, Chris Godwin's my number one, uh, obviously, game changer as, as big of you know, as big of a game changer at receivers they've had during the Franklin era. Um, Hamilton's the all-time leading catcher at Penn State. Um, so I think that then there's the gap. There's DeAndre Tompkins. There's, you know, Saeed Blacknell in big, in big games. You know, he's stepped up, but at other times, you know, he just hasn't been consistent. Juwan Johnson, I think, will probably be this third guy after next year. Um, so so that'll change. But uh, yeah, I mean, Tompkins has been solid throughout. And, and that's the thing when I mentioned earlier, you've got guys that have these big years and then you've got guys that sustain it. Uh, Tompkins has been solid across the board where other guys have gone up and down if you're looking at a line graph or something yep. like that Tompkins has been as solid as you can get uh you know save for a few uh, a few drops along the way and that consistency was the difference in addition to a couple of things for me with Tompkins because again I, I went Juwan Johnson's I'm filling this out for a little while and then I'm also thinking about body types right I mean he's playing the exposition which Chris Goblin did a year ago why are you there typically you're a bigger receiver who can win one-on-one now you always want wideouts who can separate from man coverage find the soft spot in the zone what Tompkins does better than Juwan Johnson though is, is he provides a compliment to Godwin and Hamilton with that long-range straight-line speed where he caught his one touchdown this year against Ohio State a year ago against Maryland, and he's excellent run blocking. So not only is he a guy that, again, is different from the other two wideouts, but but they have similar strengths in that you don't have to worry about any of them in run blocking. He's got that long speed, and if Hamilton goes down, you could even flip him inside. So that positional versatility, all those things to consider put him in. Again, his stats aren't going to wow you. Juwan Johnson had many more snaps and, and many more catches than Tompkins did this year, but again, that, that total value. The body of work. I yeah, think. yeah, it eclipses what Johnson did and, as we'll find out a little bit later, might return for our, our uh, special teams. hey Hey, yeah, stick around. Positional value, uh, tight end. Come on. <laughs> yeah, case closed. Mike Sickey. I mean, Jesse James makes a point. Jesse James was drafted and plays with the Steelers still, obviously, but um, it – Mike Kosicki is an All-American. What are you going to say about that? So Yeah, the more interesting part about the tight end, I think, is not who we picked in the lack of competition for Kosicki, though, is that how many of their, again, we're just talking body, body types with the wideouts, the tight ends have all been in that receiving category to the point where, again, Kosicki was a high school wideout. Jesse James is strictly used as a receiver. They're all very poor blockers, which, yes, you're going to inherit what Penn State had from the Bill O'Brien era if you're James Franklin, but then who are you seeking out now? And I think they've tried to strike a better balance, but even still, looking to next year, you know, uh, 
Jonathan Holland, a converted defensive end. You've got kids coming in now. Zach Kuhn's probably not going to be more of a blocking type. Pat Fryermuth possibility. Right. But yeah, your, it, be, your best bet there is Bowers or Fryermuth. Right. Bowers has to get healthy. Which until Mike Isicki took this tremendous leap, and, and maybe not so with his blocking until this year, this was a sore spot in the offense as the offensive line was. Mm-hmm. And it's partly, again, due to those body types. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the way that they recruited. When when O'Brien was here, he was recruiting, you know, the the Y and the F or whatnot, the guys that could go out and, and make the catches. And you got big bang. You had big bodies like Jesse James and Matt Lehman here at that time. And, you know, it just didn't carry over. Kyle Carter was a guy that James Franklin inherited and didn't really do a ton uh, as a senior. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're looking at guys that were essentially fourth receivers. And that's what the, that's what Mike Kosicki has been the last couple of years. And it's worked, no doubt about it. But yeah. when you're looking at a traditional tight end, you know, that's been a, as big of a part of the struggles of the running game. Maybe not as big of a part, but it's been a big part of the struggles of the running game as well because they don't block anybody. Right. Other parts with the running game, offensive line. Just touch upon that. Things have been better, so it's no surprise we're going to have a lot of recent names for this part of the all-Franklin era team. Um, what I tried to do was slot them into each individual position. I think that's fair instead of loading up on guards or tackles because – you know, obviously you want to fill out an entire line, but also positional versatility, I think, plays again a role in here, just as we talked with, with Tompkins. That, that's the way your way of saying Ryan Bates is, is number one. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, not not really. I had Donovan Smith Okay, um, was, was the first guy that came to mind. Just gets in there playing 2014, leaves to go to the NFL. A um, little bit of a sour exit saying, listen, if you thought why I left, this is why as they suffered in, in 2015. Um, but I've got Donovan Smith, Ryan Bates at left guard. Again, he's played left side of the line his entirety of his career uh i think he's best suited there i mean he's up to 305 now and he's got that mobility in the feet you'd like a tackle but again i think in short space he doesn't uh, his job well enough um and again when you need to pull him as they do quite often in the variety of runs he does a good job center this was tough for me because either you go with Connor mcgovern and then you've got a hole at either right guard and right tackle in my mind or you rely on someone who who was really lauded in his final season for everything he bought from a leadership standpoint from understanding the calls and just elevating everyone around him and that was brian gaia so I have Brian Guy back at, at center, and, and that leaves Connor McGovern at right guard and Brendan Mann at right tackle. Okay. Well, I have the exact same thing, and I haven't seen yours. God. But, uh, yeah, I'm, and I thought Brian Guy would be a creative pick. And we thought this would be an interesting exercise, and here we are just echoes off of a wall. Well, we're, we must both be really, Defense is really coming. smart. Yes. yes. Um, but no, I mean, Brian Guy deserves a hat tip. I mean, 39 of 40 games means he, I think he started more games on the offensive line than anybody. Um, you know, I, I'd have to double check that, but uh, he's just a warrior out there, and he was not good when he started. Uh, you know, but by the end of his career, you know, he was as solid as you can get and you could argue he maybe had a better season in as a senior than than Connor McGovern had this season so um I I, I don't know that he's gonna win any places on your prototypes list or anything like that but he was a, a good guy to have in there and you know he, he it was tougher to replace him than I think a lot of people expected right who would be your sixth offensive lineman because I looked strictly for the half season in 2016 Andrew Nelson was really good for that first half yeah. and, and he's overcome so much and had to deal with injuries and also poor performances even when he was healthy but that first half of 2016, I mean, he would have been just as good as man was that we saw for the rest of the season at right tackle. Yeah. I, or up until the Iowa game, I should say. I thought about Nelson, and I, and I went more of a body of work thing. We didn't discuss this until we got here, but I went with more of a body of work thing. Steven Gonzalez, I thought, you know, yeah. was, was good this year and ended the se- ended both seasons on a high note, really. Um, so, you know, you can throw him in there. Chaz Wright has been solid at times and not very good at others. So I, I don't know that he'd be on there. Paris Palmer you know, for as bad as he was when he came in, you know, did some good things. And I think the thing to take away from this, 
they've been so bad on the offensive line. I mean, <laughs> yes. if you're filling out a two deep here, it's Good tough. Luck. It is very tough. Grab a beer. So, yeah. Well, okay. That's fine. Um, but, uh, no, it's been tough and it, it just, go, the, the gap from, I think those first four guys or the, maybe in the first three guys down to the next group is, it, it's really, you know, how does Penn State have a Big Ten title, a Fiesta Bowl win, two New Year's Day bowl games with the offensive line they've had looking back over four years? Man, that's, that's tough. That's crazy. Yeah. And you know, it was, you know, I'm going back through Brendan Mann's production and his ability to stay available throughout all these years. I mean, he's really been the only constant for them up front and, and live through the bad years and the good and you can't make up for the other four linemen if you're on a particular line and everyone else is doing poorly right. but you know his his grades no matter you look at pro football focus you've been watching the tape as i have since 2015 or just you know their stats as they progressed on the ground he has been very good and i think that's a credit to him for fighting through all that and obviously playing more of a leadership role this year so he i think you know would be among those top three you're saying that are no-brainers top three or four yeah he might be the number one I, I, the thing about donovan smith and i have him on my list too just because of the numbers i mean he wasn't very you know he wasn't great in his last year and you know attitude kind of played into that didn't go out you know on a high note um it's just one of those things where i think he in in terms of sheer talent i mean he was up there i mean it was number number two uh number two pick in the second round i believe by the buccaneers he started there you know he hasn't been great but he's been a solid nfl starter for a couple of years so uh and again on the recent penn state offensive line scale right He's he's right at the top. Yeah, <laughs> um, Bates I think will be at the top by the end of his yep. career. Um, Brennan Mann number two, Smith number three, McGovern will uh, uh, be another guy that's up there by the end of his career. So. Not not a great group, but it's it's a group worth discussing. Yeah, and I think the Stephen Gonzalez point is a good one. I mean, he caught a lot of flack because sometimes you're just the guy nearest to plays that have gone awry. But that might not be the person at fault. Your tail of the tape for the festival kind of nailed it on him. I mean, he's, yes. he was he was a maul. You know, when when he can be a mauler, he can be a you know he can be a, one of your top guys. Yeah, he was uh, gave up zero hurries or pressures or any that nature, and pretty much everybody else. And he's did. still a sophomore. I mean, he's got time. Yeah. he's got a lot of time. So yeah. All right, these uh, defensive linemen have no more time they have all left the program some for a couple of years ago let's do again the ones that we agree on uh carl nass i've already touched upon this 2015 season was one of the best in penn state history most sacks of any penn state defender uh austin johnson i mean he he was my first as i put it film crush well it's funny because we obviously you you weren't working with 24 7 sports at that point but we both just freaking gushed over <laughs> austin johnson before and this this is when anthony zettel was putting up all the numbers and getting all the sacks and everything yes austin johnson made anthony zettel you know and, and anthony zettel's a a great player in his own right, sticking you know with the Lions and everything like that. But Austin Johnson was always the guy that was right there when Anthony Zettel was was making the play. So um, the, those two, I think, are just interchangeable. And, and you know, we have Zettel at defensive tackle. He was also a good, a good defensive end. But it's just really funny how you know we sort of centered on Austin Johnson when all the talk was about Zettel, and that, you know, that's just it, it's just something that aligned before we even met each other. So. Yeah, uh, like Donovan Smith, second round pick. Goes to the Titans, had a couple of tackles in his TFL in their last game in New England in the divisional round. He he just did had so to, much. Had to slide that one in there. I you? did. Yeah, uh, I didn't say what happened. The result. I'm just <laughs> talking about Austin Johnson's performance. Um, but he was a guy who was not your traditional. Just kind of you know plug a couple of gaps, control everything. Because again, that's not the style of defense they want to play. But you know, 2015, I think at San Diego State, they're in a game that's a little bit closer. And I think most.
most expected. There he goes rumbling down the field with a fumble recovery that he takes all the way in. I mean, this was a, a humongous, athletic, powerful man that was at the center of that defense doing what he needed to as a one technique, but also getting in the backfield and receiving all those TFLs. I mean, he was one of the best defensive linemen in the country, which you didn't hear about because, of course, he's overshadowed by Carl Nassib and Anthony Zettel, but he was every bit productive as those two within his own role. Yeah, he was one of those guys where you, you see pop up on the coaches all-conference team, but the media doesn't really pay attention yep, to it. Exactly. So, I mean, he, he was phenomenal. Um, you mentioned the fat guy touchdown he had was tremendous. Um, and a couple just, of picks in his time here yeah he was all over the place and you know he had a great nose for the football and he was he's an athletic guy he's a pretty decent basketball player if i remember um nose well. for the football you had to do that yeah well <laughs> anyway um now he was he was fantastic um you know he was just in that line he was he came after i believe daquan jones um you know of course Audric and still and all those guys came through mm-hmm. as, as three technique and jordan hill was one technique as well so just that that assembly line that penn state had at defensive tackle for so long and and, and johnson's probably the last great one that that's come through and and, you know, we'll see if they can get back to that level. But uh, Austin Johnson is good of a defensive player in the last four years as, as anybody on this list. Yeah, they haven't had any linemen that I think were the caliber of a Nassib Johnson or Zettel the last two seasons. Um, you could say they've been deeper than they were at that time. But the last defensive end spot is, again, now a place where we differ, which I think is our first uh, different difference since the fullback. Okay. Uh, I went with Garrett Sickles. Um, you know, he's been a guy that was a spark plug. Of course, I wanted to plug the uh, the Ohio State game second half. Garrett Sickles. Yes. If we're gonna if we're gonna pinpoint it here, um, but no, I think Sickles uh, tremendously productive. They missed him a lot more than they thought he would uh, than they thought they would. Um, you know, I, I like guys like Sharif Miller and, and and some other guys in the slot, but Sickles is the guy for me. And he's you know he's stuck with the Rams. He played you know he was inactive, but he was on a playoff roster for the Rams. So um, not still not sure he made the right decision to come out but I know there were a couple of things at play and he seemed to land on his feet which is you know good for him I went with Sharif Miller and, and again the, the traditional stats don't stack up with, with what Sickles did a year ago and you miss him from a pass rush perspective I think just Sharif at the end of this year was able to display his full ability and what's about to come in 2018 which is a guy who you can absolutely count on against a run who's got some varied moves uh, in a pass rush situation and you know he, he found one of my old tweets back watching Nebraska film where, where he had I don't even think he had a sack in that game but he was just eating like snap after snap after snap beating the lineman across from him it doesn't show up and that's why again i really enjoy watching the tape and finding out what we're all we all missed right and that was what we saw and really missed from sharif miller most of the year but then again in a sickles like performance in the fiesta bowl misses the first half due to suspension and then comes back he gets a sack he's all over the place against the run and the pass and i think it, it's a, it's the tiniest of calls between the two but i think just the difference in his game and a little bit more athleticism that he brought off the edge you know, and again, next year I think it'll be more clear-cut difference between he and Sickles. Um, but for for me, I, I just thought everything he brought to the table deserved made him deserving to be on the he team. Was, he was always just there. You know, forty-eight was always around somewhere. You know, and, safety and, against and, Iowa. Yeah, you can talk about Penn State not being able to get home against Ohio State, Michigan State, whatever. But he he was always at least in the picture, and I think that's the thing. He's active, um, tremendously physically talented. Still, I would argue, still raw. You know, but he, he's getting there. But uh, I think Miller can can supplant Sickles on my list with another good year. And it's and it's crazy to think about you know this defensive end position. You know, this could completely change. Now, Nassib's season's going to stack up to anybody, but in terms of full body of work, this could change over the next couple of years. I think they right. have tremendous talent in the wings there. Yeah, Shaka Tony, again, we we have uh, I don't think we mentioned this yet, three players at the very end, utility guys, people who might not deserve to be on this list by pure merit, but if we're building a team, you you want on there for different reasons, and it can be totally personal, unreasonable, or reasonable. Uh, 
And for me, I considered – he didn't make my three lists, which we'll reveal at the end. But Shaka Tony, just again from that, you put him in in third downs. He was their most productive pass rusher on a per-snap basis, you know, just ahead of Sharif Miller and Kevin Givens in my mind. But a guy who, again, next year I think speaks to that talent you're just highlighting where next year if he, he's able to step up and play more snaps and have more weight, should just be on a different level than we've already seen. Just tell him to go get the quarterback. And that's what he does, yeah. man. <laughs> he's, he's a freaking – he's crazy out there. But uh, – and, and it's funny. When we talk about DNs, we don't talk about Ryan Buckholz. How, how badly was he missed this year you know it just when he went out against Ohio State just crazy you know just uh the the the, the drop off you know at the position and, and Kevin Givens played well there and some other guys stepped in and, and got some experience but Buckholz was as solid as you can get he's not a guy that would make this list yet or I don't, I don't know you know that he's going to put up the numbers to to break through against a guy like Nassib or whatnot but um you know as again a lot in the chamber there Sean Spencer's got a lot to play with next year uh, I'm going to reserve my Ryan Buckholz comments, but I'm not going to tell you why. Oh, boy. Can't wait. Um, Linebacker, you. You can't use Brandon Bell three times, so I'm curious what you're going to say. It. <laughs> but he's on the list. That That's okay. fair in terms of production, you know, even from that Wisconsin game as a freshman all the way through the Big Ten Championship and then the interception, which was his final play in the Rose Bowl. Right. Uh, Brandon Bell is on this list. I also have Mike Hull, um, who, again, was a little bit pre before I came out of 24-7 sports. But, again, you didn't need to be a, a Penn State fan to know what he was doing at Penn State at that time, hundred. 40 tackles and that's after switching positions yeah the jump that he made um you know when he moved inside i think he was the big 10 linebacker of the year that year um halls just was phenomenal and and it's funny when you when you watch james franklin he still kind of compares every linebacker in terms of you know finding that right mic to mike hall i mean yeah. and that says something four years later um so uh, yeah mike hall's on my list brandon bell's on my list threw kabinda in there as well um when you have anybody that's been a three-year starter for a, a coach that's been here four years i think you probably have to throw him in there um you know he's he had his ups and downs but at, you know at the end of the day very productive player for penn state all big 10 player and um you know he's he, the record speak for himself. Yeah. For itself. I almost wonder if he goes a little bit underappreciated, not in the probably, sense of that he yeah. deserved more. Like I think his place in the all big 10 teams was probably fair. You know, that third team, maybe honorable mention areas because the big plays weren't there. Right. And what do you remember about Brandon Bell? All the plays I just lifted off the top of my head, big 10 championship game, Rose Bowl, just and, the interceptions. And the diary. Fumbles. Yeah. The, the prospect diary. Oh, did I do that? Yeah. yeah. So. No. Well, you're the only person who know, cause that was not well read. <laughs> um, so, but you know, he, he's a guy that was again, three year starter, you know, perennially racking up the most tackles in any given game. Has a slower start to this season. But again, not only is Penn State in, in a difficult position because they lose their t- top two inside linebackers, right, next season, but everything he brought, and I, I brought this up for a couple of guys now, but the leadership, the wherewithal, and the knowledge of the defense to just totally command that. I mean, I'm reading about how he's performing at the East-West Shrine game right now, and he is just blowing away people who are on the sidelines, and, and presumably some of the coaches too, because again, everything that he brings might not show up in a forced fumble or an interception, but he's at the right place, he's at the right time, he knows where he needs to be, and he knows where his teammates need to go. So you see all those adjustments made. I think you have to put him there again by virtue of being a three-year starter, but you know, again, for things that might show up outside of just the, the pure basic football stats. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's that's one way he can find his way onto a roster. I mean, I don't know if that if he's going to run great or anything like that at Pro Day or if he does get makes it to the Combine. Uh, I think that can hurt him a little bit. But, you know, if you're looking at cutting it down from, you know, the, the 75 to the 53, he's a guy that can play special teams. He's a guy that, uh, you know... Willing to do everything. Yeah, he can... He can he, yes, he, he will absolutely step up and do it all. And, you know, th- for that reason, he's got an advantage for making a, a roster. So, yeah, through Kabin, 
spend in there. I went to a four two five for a little bit because we we talked about nickels and. Who stuff would you like have that. left out? Uh, I probably Kabinda? left out Cabinda. Okay. Yeah, I mean Hull Hull was phenomenal for that year. Brandon Bell was phenomenal through his career. Jason Cabinda as you know pretty solid. Could play uh, Mike or Will too. I think is, yeah. is a versatility. So you throw him in there. Yeah. Um, now you remind me of a story because I did. Uh, I think it was from seven or eight of his teammates. Just give me your best Jason Cabinda story. We had media day early August. Everyone's out in Beaver Stadium. You basically get to chat with whoever you want for 45, 60 minutes. And so that was my question, as I said, to about seven, eight of his teammates. When he first got here with the rest of his freshman class and they're running and getting tested, he is running with his arms. If you can imagine your upper arm and your forearm making a right angle and he has them way out to his side. Mr. So Roboto. Yeah. His nickname was DJ Cabinda for how it looked like while he was running, which of course was promptly fixed. But one of those that, you know, a guy who doesn't mind having those stories shared and then everyone got to, you know, how hard of a work he was and the leader and everything like that. So uh, it's just, you know, a guy again who I think it, it sounds cliche, which I which I hate to deal in, but I think it's it's really true about what he did for this program. Again, continuing that legacy that James Franklin still brings on about Mike Hall. He did those things and, and for a longer period of time, especially in this era, uh, and will be missed and deserves to be on this team. Now, secondary. Um, to me, let's start with safety again. Clear calls in the other positions. Adrian Amos and Mark Sound. Yeah, I mean, what... what, what. <laughs> Malik Golden and Troy Apke both had good senior years, and that was great. Um, but I think Marcus Allen and Adrian Amos were on another level, and uh, you know, I I don't think it's a surprise that those are the two to go to. Adrian Amos could also be one of those utility guys. He played corner here um, as well, so. Uh, but I, I think those two, and then there's a sizable gap to the next uh, next group. There is. And, and so my only question would be, and I think you feel more comfortable with Amos, but in certain situations where, again, last year, or this season was Apke, a year ago was Golden, when teams would catch Penn State, played a lot of cover one, everyone plays cover one, but most times that involves a safety playing one-on-one in man coverage. Apke gives up a couple touchdowns this year. Again, you're not expecting them to have corner-like skills, but with those two, you almost wonder about their kind of one-on-one ability of just locking up against maybe an inside receiver, depending on the defense. Yeah, I mean, it, it It was one of those things where they, they were obviously limited with what they could do, um, but they made the most out of it. So, you know, Apke and Golden. Yeah, well, that would be my only th- qualm with these two, right? Marcus oh, okay. Allen and yeah. Adrian Owens. That's what I'm getting to. Like, yeah. you know, I think you think about Marcus Allen and, and a four-year starter, basically excellent against the run, and, and all those things stand out. But very just one similar guys. Yeah. Yeah, right, that's that's what I'm getting at. Okay, yes. Yeah. So well, now that you put it very simply, yes, I, <laughs> I agree, yes. But you know, corners is interesting. Uh, it, it's, it's really funny because, I went with Grant Haley, um, who I also had as a nickelback when I had this four, this team as a four-two-five, um, because he can do so many things. He was so solid. Um, just his senior year this year was was great. Um, the fact that he landed behind Amani Oriware on the All Big Ten team is just crazy because Amani was like the third or fourth graded corner on this team, and, and Haley was number one. So um, Haley, I went with, and uh, John Reed was the other one, which is crazy to think about because you know he, he missed this entire season, but two years ago he was their best corner um best corner that we've seen you know in a while at penn state so yep. um you know i i like john reed and you know i know you've got another guy in there that that i absolutely love that i didn't think about putting in but uh yeah i mean john reed and, and grant haley pretty two pretty good cover corners there and, and you have some flexibility there you can move them into the slot and play yeah two guys similar body types similar versatility jumping in to play nickel i went john reed number one uh, i think just what he did uh, in 2016 as the guy they leaned on most spoke volumes about his ability and also where he's headed and, and we hear so much about he just he just like eats film for breakfast lunch and dinner and knows so much but physically i mean he's he's a great 
player. We forget about that. Yeah. yeah. And we talk about the, the he actually runs and sure. tackles. Yeah, he plays and, the football right. game. Yes. He's very good at that. Um, so. He, so he's number one for me. And if he, he's starting as, you know, uh, they call it boundary and field, but I think it's clear, you know, depending on who they see more often against certain wideouts, you know, who your number one corner is. Who that was the theoretical team that we're putting together. Yeah. Yeah. See. But, but, yeah. but John Reed it was a little bit better than Grant Haley in 2016. Grant Haley got better and played his best football in 2017 when Reed was obviously hurt. But I, I would have to presume that Reed would have stayed just a small step ahead of Grant Haley had he been healthy. I agree. So he's yeah. number one for me. Trevor Williams is number two. And Love I think, Trevor. yeah, he, he just gets forgotten a little bit doing outstanding things in the NFL he right now. He got forgotten for the when he was here. He's forgotten yep. now. People don't realize he, you know, he was a Penn State corner. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's a starting corner in the NFL. Um, you know, it was a nice thing that the Chargers put out last week. I don't know who, if anybody saw that, but yeah, I mean, Trevor has been as underappreciated as anybody that I can think of in the last couple of years. Given we're in State College and they're in Los Angeles, I don't think many people did. So what did they say? Oh, I mean, it's just a, a great backstory. I mean, this is a guy that was pretty much forgotten about. And I remember, you know, the draft. Was um, it like a story or it, a meet, it, it like was, a picture? It was it's like a two-minute video where they interviewed him oh. about being an underdog. I mean, he came to Penn State as a receiver and, you know, and, and he made the change. Uh, Stan Hickson loved him at receiver as a freshman, played him as a true freshman, made the change to corner and was a three-year starter that nobody ever really talked about and everybody kind of took for granted. So, um, Circumstances don't matter to a, a dog, I heard. Oh, boy. You're just hanging <laughs> That's on that Bell stuff. Inside baseball joke. Well, the the, the interesting thing is, you know, Jordan Lucas was drafted. Trevor Williams was not. I mean, this is yeah. a guy that we saw that that said, you know, Trevor Williams should go before Jordan Lucas. And, you know, granted, Lucas has hung around. He's and he's popped back in with, uh, I think, with the Dolphins. And, and but, so he's been around the NFL. But Trevor Williams, athletically and, you know, as a football player, was was the better guy. Right. OK. Um, and then Nickel, I went Grant Haley. I mean, he did outstanding work there again, did it earlier in his career. But this season, tackling the blitzing Coming in and run support has no fears and, and real no weaknesses in that aspect. I think in you know in terms of the NFL, the draft and projections, he go down because he's officially weighed in at five nine, about one hundred and eighty pounds. That's not going to get it done against many receivers. It's not impossible to overcome that, but he's really at the floor of what you want in terms of the size of a cornerback, and that'll limit him what he can do. What he did though at Penn State, it'll limit the amount of teams that will take a chance on him. Basically. Right, right, yeah. and he'll play special teams, and you know we saw him return a little bit, but to me, great fit at nickel because again that physicality, which didn't say the other two couldn't, but just everything he did in 2017 is very fresh in my mind, um, especially when you got a talented freshman. You know, Freshman corners are terrifying. So Lamont Wade wasn't going to jump in here, but I think there was a little bit of, of competition for him where he couldn't just go in and kind of loaf his way into the nickel job and, and jump in there. Um, they felt confident, of course, to slide Amani into the outside corner so Haley could go inside during sub packages. But, you know, he, he makes a great nickel. He did make a great nickel. And uh, welcome to the All-Franklin Air team. Yeah, about it. Um, and they're going to lose Grant Haley, Christian Campbell this year, obviously. Um, but I think they'll be fine at corner if Reed comes back ready to go. Uh, you got Amani, you've got Tariq Castro Fields, uh, Lamont. So you, you're fine at corner. So moving on. Special teams. Uh, that's a position – corner is a position that the, the talent level now as compared to when James Franklin arrived is night and day. I mean they've oh, done yes. a phenomenal job there. But okay. special teams, uh, we can move on. Blake Gillikin's the punter. I mean he kicks things really far um, and – you know, very accurately, very accurately. And the punting game hasn't been the same since he got here. And that's a, you know, that's, that's a compliment. So yes, Blake Gilligan, no brainer. Um, kicker. I I went with Sam Ficken. I did too. Uh, Tyler Davis would have been there. 
it, giant step back this season. Uh, it's unfortunate given his story and, you know, the way the, just how accurate he was the last couple of years. But, uh, you know, as a senior, you know, it took a big step back. Sam Ficken in his last couple of years was was fairly automatic, made some big kicks for him. And, you know, he's he kicked in the playoffs this year. The other difference between the two for me is the distance at which they kicked. Yeah. And, you know, when I sat down with Charles Huff in the middle of this year, part of it was, oh, we didn't let him kick from that distance because we never really needed to or that arose. I, I just think ultimately the confidence wasn't there in Tyler Davis from about 42 and beyond. And he got more chances this year. But again, that was combined with the struggles he had from even 30, 35 inward. So for Ficken, it's just, you know, the overall consistency and that length, which again has him getting current NFL looks, which I, I don't think at this rate Tyler Davis will have. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw him last spring and they tried to stretch him out a little bit and, and go a little bit further. And he just, he, he didn't have, you know, it, did, it didn't click like, uh, you know, like we saw with Thicken late in his career. And we kind of looked at each other like, man, this, this is not the Tyler Davis that we know. Well, I mean, you're pushing it back to 45, 50 yards and he just didn't have it, you know? So, um, it's, and few human beings do to to his credit. And, and, but I mean, it was clearly a different kicker out there this year. I think, I don't know if that messed with him at all, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's still going to be a huge, huge thing that they have to replace this year. But, uh, I have yeah. a kickoff specialist, which I think you forgot about. But this is this is the clearest pick of all of them. Carl Nassib, even totally aside, Saquon Barkley, take a seat. Kickoff I think I know specialist. where you're going with this. Yeah, the big toe. Joey. Joey. Yeah, we miss him. Yeah. This makes do. this team a lot more fun. You definitely miss him. And, and he's taking care of things that are far more important than football. And, you know, that's, that's definitely ahead of any conversation we have here about these fake teams we've created. But, um, yeah, if, if I get a spot for a kickoff specialist, that is going to one guy. He wore number 99, and he was beloved during his number time one at Penn State. Hearts. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah um, hope he's doing well. So. Returners, I think, are also pretty clear. Again, I mentioned Barkley. He's Barkley. in there for kick returner, punt returner. Um, I went with John Reed over DeAndre Tom. Okay, I can see that. And and the the touchdown he had right in the season opener this year makes a big splash in our memories, right? I mean, first of all, it happened in the opener, right? And then it's a touchdown, which has not happened here for almost a decade. Right. So, but then it just seemed that he got a little bit more tentative as the season wore on, which is which is not to say that that he was afraid or anything close to that, because that's a job I I do not want uh, returning puns. However, I think you just saw John, who we worked with, you know, together as they both are punt returners and close friends on taking it out a little bit more. And that, that loss of aggressiveness, I think you'll see, you know, if John Reed returns punts this year, you come back. If, if he's got the ball in his hands. And I think he was just a little bit more dynamic in short spaces where I think if you look at Tompkins, that long speed is a great advantage. But again, if you've got to escape three tackles in the span of a five-yard radius, right. John Reed's probably the guy that And I you want. have to run around the flag that they throw on Urban Charles for holding. So, um, <laughs> hey, it's tough to argue that. <laughs> That's Tompkins true, but did, the dude's gone. I think Tompkins had a uh, – he had one call back this year as well. So he, yes. he was my guy. I think he's dynamic. I, I do agree with Reed. Um, it, it sort of takes on a little bit more. And, and Tompkins has had issues catching the ball. He does a redshirt freshman. He had a little bit this year as well. Um, so there, there's question marks there. But in, in, in terms of adding a spark, I'll go with Tompkins there. Okay. On to the utility. We are not in agreement about any of these, but it's not supposed to be agreement or based on merit. Okay. Three guys you would want on your team for whatever reason. It doesn't matter. I'm going to lead off. Uh, Ryan Buckholz, is this a shock uh, given our discussion earlier that I abstained from? I didn't know that we were going with starters here. So I was going. What do you with, mean? I was going with special teams guys, you know, guys to cover kicks, guys that you want. I have, you know, Brandon Smith, uh, who is, you know, everybody loves Brandon Smith. Well, let me talk about Ryan Buckholz because I know he and family have been waiting now for about 20 minutes since uh, we originally brought him up. Okay. All right. Um, Ryan Buckholz. <laughs> Very good, Brent Pry. Oh, you, you okay? I'm good. You want a minute? His family is is, is eagerly anticipating. I mean, this who does not 
right. listen to the Lions 24-7 podcast. Good point. Uh, moving on. Brent Pry called Ryan Buckholtz um, a, a guy who has arguably – who has a chance to become arguably one of the best defensive linemen to ever come through Penn State. Brent Pry does not say that lightly. I might not be totally there with him, but I think you know where he's coming from given Ryan's ability to push the pocket inside and out. He's extremely strong. He's 6'6". He's someone who can not only relieve the defensive linemen we already mentioned in pass rushing situations but can jump into either spot. I mean, he's not going to play D-tackle for an entire game, but this is someone, again, who who is revered by his teammates and was so valuable, as we already talked about, once he leaves Ohio State and you saw what happened in the pass rush to Sharif Miller and Shaka Tony, you got to play 80% of the snaps, that he does so much for this team, play special teams. That's a guy I want on my defense. He impacts the pass rush. He's not going to put up the sack numbers, but he will get the pass rush there. I mean, he, he takes away lanes is what he does. He's so big. He, he's athletic for his size. He just takes away lanes, and he's a guy that – you know, other other people feed off of. So, and that's not necessarily. I mean, he's not necessarily a, a spark plug or anything like that. But if he can eat up a couple of guys, uh, you know, Sharif Miller can get in there and make that play. Shaka Tony can get on there on the other side and make that play. So, I, I, I agree a hundred percent. I think his potential is there. He's got NFL size. He's a guy that we're going to look at in a couple of years and say this guy was a pretty damn good player, even if he didn't get ten sacks in a year or something like. Maybe that. one of the best defensive linemen to come through Penn State. Maybe yes. Maybe. Okay, depending on who you talk. Some to. would say. All right. So who who did I? I uh, interrupt there that you were about to go off on Brandon Smith. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I can't believe his family is listening. I'm sure. Um, but uh, no, I mean, Brandon Smith, it, it, just, if you look at a guy that stepped in and did, you know, over his head of what he was expected to do, um, came in and was arguably uh, Penn State's best linebacker down the stretch when they were dealing with injuries to Kevin and Bell last year. As he, I think consistency is the thing with him. He's he's played special teams. Yes. He's played Mike. He's played Will. He'll play anywhere you want him to. Um, and having a guy like that on your team, um, we won't spend too much time on this. Having a guy like that on your team is, is is a guy that you want. Next up for me, Nick Scott. I think carries many of those same characteristics. Special teams captain will be a two time captain next year. Only a few of those in Penn. State history, regardless of offense, defense, or special teams. Uh, started out as a running back. He's going to be a starting safety, you'd presume, next season. Not sure. Some would presume this season. Yeah. Just, you know. uh, but he's a guy, again, who, who you just want on your team. Impacts multiple areas of the game. And, you know, that's, I think, as high compliments you can give to a guy. Yeah, his special, having... teams, his special teams plays, like, against Maryland last year, where he lit that guy up on the sideline. I mean, he's a spark guy. I mean, he's, he, you know, he hasn't been consistent as a safety, but, you know, he's, he's been a guy that's made big plays in certain spots and and really sort of ignited your team and i think that's where we're going here for the uh, the utility guy and i'm sorry i interrupted you i thought you were done with your point so no i was just gonna say it's probably one of the highest compliments i mean again he's not a huge impact guy on saturdays but in terms of the traditional sense but when you impact multiple phases you're well respected liked in the locker room and you elevate the play of those around you as we saw in all their coverage units this year um that that's a guy who anyone would want on their roster yeah and uh, a, a guy you want on your roster is one of those guys. You know, Penn State, when guys get hurt, if somebody takes your jersey number and and sort of replaces you like that, that's, that says something about your presence on the team. When when Von Walker got hurt, obviously mm. they, they moved. Good pick. You know, got his jersey number. Um, Von Walker, you know, I don't know that he was ever going to be a starter here. You know, and then it's funny because everybody was sort of clamoring for him to take one of those jobs when Penn State was so thin at linebacker. But he stuck through. He was a special teams captain like Nick Scott. Um, and, and when he got hurt, you know, that's, that's a lot of, you know, sad faces in that locker room. And I think that says something about the presence that Von Walker brought to this team uh, two years ago, I think it was. Okay. This third pick was tough, and it shouldn't be because this is the fun exercise. And again, you know, this team is never going to come together. However, 
and again, it's it's about what's happened in the past, but I, I just can't get away from Brandon Polk in a sense, which because, again, it goes to impacting multiple phases, right? I mean, he can return kicks if you want to spell Barkley. I felt better about him given he's, you know, had all those jet sweep handoffs and obviously can play that uh, inside receiver position than like a Miles Sanders who is also in contention for this third spot. But again, it, it's just his quickness in short areas, I think, is something that's not offered currently by the offense that pretty much we both put together uh, on our own. Um, and I think as someone who can fill multiple roles, and again, for, for a utility guy, someone you just want on your team, you don't have to worry about. The only concern, of course, would be injury. And and that's about it for, for Brandon Paul. Regardless, he's a tough guy. He's made some tough catches, man. You think of that one he had uh, on the far sideline. I forget which. Indiana. Indiana. Yeah. Um, I mean, looking right into, into the, the sun, sun uh, corner out. ridiculous catch. Um, he's caught some across the middle, which he's five nine, you know, one hundred and sixty five pounds or whatever. So, um, so he's a tough guy. He's a great guy to have around. My final pick for utility, and partially just to anger you, was Tommy Stevens. <laughs> Any Listen, thoughts on that? I'm fine with Tommy Stevens. Um, I've trumpeted uh, my uh, predictions, which was basically the second half of the season, that he would score a touchdown. Those finally came to fruition in my third, fourth, and fifth uh, attempts. Um, but I think we're getting to a point, and this is no fault of Tommy's, where the hype starts to exceed the substance and the impact that he's had. And it's it's largely because he played 10 offensive snaps in the Fiesta Bowl, you know, wasn't highly productive in those snaps. But again, it's fresh in our memories. It's something that excites It's new and it's fun. But overall... It's not a package that you that's going to be at the core of your offense, and that's fine. Now, I would laud you because I think some people would argue that the backup quarterback position is among the top 20 most important on the team, if not top 15. So he's, he's a very good quarterback and a lion, as they've now put it uh, officially in the depth chart. Andrew, name a better lion. <laughs> Uh, Simba. <laughs> right. Anyway, those are our teams. Uh, fun to do. A little bit longer I, than we expected. <laughs> I was surprised, too, that we were so similar on all those. Now, it's a, it's a small sample of four years, and obviously the last two were much more successful. Yeah, but the, in the first two years, I mean, you're looking at a sanctioned team where your pool that you can grab from is, is much smaller. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that we that we run. We're both great football minds, if you will. So that's probably what it yeah. was. Okay, so. that's exactly what it was. Um, so, all right, last question, and then we'll move on because we've got uh, hoops to talk about, mailbag, and then recruiting. But if there's one position you think we're going to get the most backlash from, what do you think it is? Or, or argument, I should say. I mean, backlash is maybe a little strong for these fake teams. Uh, I would go with offensive line. Uh, I'm not okay. sure who you're going to put in there, but I don't think there are too many you know, big fans of Donovan Smith out there and Brian Gaia, who was obviously bad when he started and then you know, sort of developed. I think people have this tendency to stick – with the guy that they initially see, like like we saw with Troy Aki this year, like we saw with Malik Golden last year, Brian yeah. Gaia, you know, you, you don't you you're sort of in that comfort zone, you don't want to get away from it. So guys who started out, you know, on a step down and then stepped up, some people forget about that. Okay, that's fair. I think I'm going to get some heat for my Sharif Miller pick. Understood. Um, doesn't match what you saw in terms of big play and big spots from Garrett Sickles, but um, I think, as if, I said, he was just a three-star If we get a three-star rating from your Sharif Miller pick, <laughs> I'm going to be so upset. That, I'm hunting that person down. Uh, and as we always say, please find us on iTunes. We appreciate you listening. Rate, review, all that good stuff. Yes. Um, but okay, finally, at last, moving on. Now, basketball. Uh, they lost in overtime on Monday to Minnesota. In fairness to the Lions, they were without Josh Reeves. They have been for the last couple of games. Unspecified academic concern. In my mind, it's not likely that they get him back anytime soon. Penn State seems to be hoping that it will not be season-ending. Honestly, I cannot put my finger on what any kind of violation this should be for a variety of reasons. Um, 
primarily because it was syllabus week when this came out. <laughs> so I don't know how that can occur. I asked Pat Chambers flat out, was this this semester or last semester? He was like, he's got some more things to sort out. Follow-up question, same answer. So they are very tight-lipped about this. It seems though that the onus is, is on Josh to fix whatever went awry. In my mind, if it had been about grades, he probably wouldn't have been able to play over winter uh, break, but I'm not positive about that. It's just, it's just a downer though for them because again, they've had the same struggles in these close games where the offense becomes disorganized and the ones in overtime are those that finish by two possessions you need to win at this stage you were young a year ago everyone knew it your best players now know what it takes to compete and win in the big 10 it's a down conference nationally and yet here you sit below 500 yet again yeah it's unfortunate and i think it's probably the beginning of the end for pat chambers even though we could debate when the beginning of the end was um yeah i i just you know if this team keeps going like this and you obviously follow them a lot more than i do a lot closer than i do i mean i just don't i don't see how he's the guy next year um which is unfortunate i mean I like Pat a lot, but with the talent... The excuses, the youth excuse is gone. Sure, they're still young, but you know they should be good enough to win some of these games. And you know what? People aren't old in college basketball anymore, and haven't been since the one and done rule was instated in the NBA. And that might be changed, but right now it's not. Except you for know, Wisconsin, you, you, you're awesome. lucky. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're you're lucky to have a couple of kids in Lamar Stevens and Tony Carr, who who were top thirty, top fifty, top hundred recruits coming out, and to have them stay for a second year because because now at this point, some of those guys are deciding, hey, do I want to go to the NBA? And they're here and and. Having similar issues and, and it's difficult for Reese because that's compounded by the fact that they have a short bench. But I mean, their, their backbone has been defense and rebounding, and Minnesota just ripped that straight out of them with some Minnesota's hot shooting. Had a rough go of it too. And they've had, they've had it worse. To yeah. be totally and completely honest, Reggie Lynch gone for for much worse violations than any academic thing that might have gone on with Josh Reeves. Um, and Amir Coffey was missing. So it, that was a team that had been out rebounded by forty six in their last three games. They were plus eleven. At Bryce Jordan Center. And that's partly because they hit a lot of shots, yes. And I, I asked Paz, how much do you ascribe to you just let them have open shots versus they were hot? And he says, of course, well, it's a little bit of both. Well, yeah. But you know what? This was not just a good rebounding team. This was a bad rebounding team. And Jordan Murphy, who could be the Big Ten player of the year, that's the only guy you have to worry about in the glass. That's it, period, end. Mm-hmm. And they, they couldn't contain him or teammates. Um, so they're in a bad spot. They have to go to two Northwestern, Ohio State, and Rutgers. If they don't win, at minimum, two out of three there, I mean, this season is done. It's yeah. it's, it's over. Um, happier things new coach in town uh, back to football David Corley running backs coach comes out of William and Mary he's in the Hall of Fame there for his athletic career uh, native of North Carolina was recently at the Army for one year coaching wideouts before that three year stint at UConn where he coached uh, running backs and wideouts and has also had some experience in previous stops with quarterbacks so a guy who you know obviously is very well liked by the staff and I think those ties to North Carolina will probably help him as they look to expand the recruiting footprint this year and next yeah he's got ties to North Carolina um, he's recruited Virginia obviously from his time at William and Mary, and of course, you know, Army and UConn. He's been in the Northeast, but Atlanta's the pl- the place where he's probably had his most success. Um, so he's been all over the place. I've talked to a bunch of coaches, and for some reason, I have many more uh, ties to William and Mary than I thought I did. Um, <laughs> talked to a bunch of former players, very well liked guy. I think the thing that come across, you know, a lot of people were were talking about him as, you know. This is a great hire. I mean, you really never heard about this guy much. I know you 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 covered UConn, you went to UConn and everything, so you, you knew the name, but you really never heard about him as a premier assistant or anything like that. Uh, so far, the the reviews I'm getting from the coaching world, uh, I mean, he's really well liked. Can can he do it as a running backs coach at Penn State or recruiter at Penn State? With of course, the book is still going to be out on that one, but. 
tremendously respected in the coaching world and that's what you're looking for and that's that's the 10th hire right there yeah and you know at this stage it's kind of like players who might come in you, you have a good idea of their background or their capabilities and what they've been what they've done you don't know how that fit is going to unfold until it actually does right so these questions about you know could it be an upgrade over charles huff or what's the dynamic going to be like we're not in the building we'll you know, see, you, know yeah. we, we, you know you have sources here and there and you, you hear different things but until he does it at penn state you know you just don't know but i think obviously they've had success hiring from the outside with different coaches so that gives you some confidence if you're a fan. Um, and it's I mean, just I mean, kind of think, a wait and see. I think Franklin's earned the benefit of the doubt in terms oh, of, for sure. of, of hiring. I mean, he's, he's nailed, he's nailed these guys. I mean, so, um, I, 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 I'm interested to see what he can do. Um, of course, Miles Sanders and stuff, but the running backs coach in college football these days, you know, stuff being Ricky Slade, five star running back coming in. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's got <laughs> just stuff. He's gonna, he's, anyway. Um, but no, I mean the running backs coach in college football these days, you, you want that to be one of your best recruiters and, you know, I've heard good things about him as a recruiter. So, you know, come back to us in a year and we'll see what's happening. All right. Mark it down. January 17th, 2019. <laughs> we'll be back. Um, you have more recruiting stuff to talk about. Second signing period. Jason Oway committed between now and the last podcast we did. So it seems like forever ago, by the way. Really does. Yeah. Um, so Apparently let's, I slipped up and said that on the last one and yeah, no one told me until like after. tipped it off, but it wasn't, it wasn't concrete. So, uh, congrats to those of you who read between the lines. If you were following the site all week, I mean, it was pretty much spelled out and, uh, you know, he, yeah. he didn't do a great job of hiding it, but no reason uh, to feel bad about it. Still great pickup for Penn state. Um, obviously announced at the under armor game on the fourth, um, signed with Penn state. So that recruitment is done. You can't go back into that and you won't see anybody else popping up on his radar, which is huge. This, this early, signing period has really thrown a lot of people for a loop because there are guys out there that have signed and not necessarily to Penn State and I'll say that again, not necessarily to Penn State, but there are guys out there that sign that want to announce with their team in February and things like that. So um, so it's it's really just a learning process. Um, you know, but with, going back to Jason Awe, um, tremendously talented guy. I saw him at Under Armour for, for four days. Um, he was a guy that was in the backfield a lot. You can tell he's raw. I think he, I think a redshirt year is, is in order for him. Um, but he's a guy that's going to come out. He's an athletic specimen. He's got tremendous size, quick off the edge when, when, you know, once he gets focused into that ball, he's quick off the edge. So everything you want in, a, in an edge rusher, I think Jason always that guy. So tremendous pickup for Penn state, I think is the way to put it. Other names lingering as OA has been solidified are Rashid Walker, Solomon Enos, and there's a new one. Yes. The doctor, Julius Irvin. Ah, um, yeah, that's, that's awful. Um, but, uh, no, we highlighted him last week, um, in our, potential offers and you know, lo and behold he picked up an offer a day later so um, this is a guy that Penn State wants to get in for an official visit um, Penn State will go see him this week Tim Banks has been recruiting them for Penn or been recruiting him for Penn State four-star guy from California it's gonna be tough to get in uh, but he's taken visits to Notre Dame um, of course USC still in the picture a few other schools as well so gonna be a tough uh, a tough sell but he's been talking to the staff for a while and they they're hopeful if you can get somebody on campus this late in the in the uh, cycle you got a shot at him so um you know if they can get julius Irvin on campus we'll see um not a ton of spots left uh rasheed walker visiting ohio state this weekend will announce on signing day solomon enos james franklin went to see him on sunday he's at the polynesian bowl in hawaii so sort of takes a week off from recruiting which is actually pretty nice um but in in a sense that he can't visit anywhere this weekend he's he's at the polynesian bowl so when he gets back we'll see if he checks out some other schools utah heavily involved there arizona state uh kevin sumlin just got to arizona so don't know if they'll reach out to him or not. So um, it's funny because 
January is lacking the drama now. I mean, there's there, there's only a couple of spots left. It's very concentrated. Are. Yeah, I mean, the, beyond those three guys, I mean, does Penn State go after DJ Brown, who's you know come onto the scene since the Under Armour game? Casey Rogers, a defensive lineman up in Connecticut. Um, Ken Montgomery was on the uh, excuse me was on the radar before Penn State, still keeping him warm as well. So there, there's a lot to look forward to. Um, I think there's still a few chips left to fall, um, and we'll see which which direction Penn State goes. I just I don't think there's a ton of drama but there's enough to keep you uh keep you holding until signing day in february how much do you need to be held off until junior day well february 3rd junior day is february 3rd um that's the good thing 22 signees i mean you're gonna sign what three more maybe um so you can focus that attention forward and you're gonna they're gonna have a junior day before signing day i mean that they've they've had big weekends before signing day but this is their big one um you know we'll get into the list as that that as that gets closer but you know penn state has already built the foundation for this 2019 class i don't think that it's going to be you know as strong or finish as high as the 2018 class based on the regional talent that they, they have to go after but at the same time um you, you've done a great job of getting into the upper guys lists and things like that so i think 2019 will be fine great great opportunity to set the table at junior day in february 3rd all right uh moving on to the mailbag junior day right before super bowl sunday i really wonder if that's going to affect any of the kids plans i mean priorities yes i understand but if those are you know i think the only thing that you can pencil in for the february 3rd is probably going to be a snowstorm because that's just how it works oh very good so, yes. good to know um all right mailbag uh real quick how many Penn State players are drafted in April? We're going to talk about this, you know, at length in the coming weeks and months. So let's keep it short and sweet. You give me a single number of how many Penn State players will hear their name called in the 2018 NFL draft. Five. Okay. I'm going to go four to six. <laughs> what? I'm going to keep myself open. Give, give me a single number. <laughs> five. Okay. Well, I'll go You are. You now have zero seven. flexibility for the next three months. Meanwhile, I am as free as a bird, and I feel very confident we'll about my with the Vikings line. Five and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, God. What a mess that was. <laughs> um, all right. Now, more numbers. With 2019 looking like a smaller class for Penn State, are they still hoping for two quarterbacks and two running backs? That's always the hope. I mean, Penn State has a commitment from Taquan Roberson, a quarterback, obviously. Um, but, I mean, it's just a, it's a numbers game where 2019, I think, is going to be a little smaller, but probably not as small as people think. I think you can always go right around that 20 number and and give or take a few. Um, I think they'll be, you know, giving a few in this, in this class. But um, you'd like to add two quarterbacks. Garrett Schrader, who I have crystal ball to Penn State with Joe Moorhead going to Mississippi State. Uh, that's a tough sell. I mean, it, it, you're going to have to be able to prove it to him that Ricky Ronnie is going to run this offense. And to be honest with you, there's no football games between here and September. So I'm not writing that one off. But at the same time, that's that's a tough sell. So, um, you know, do you get the two guys that you want? Roberson is, is a good quarterback, is a very productive guy. Um, so if you can't take two, it's going to depend on the other guys on the roster. Is Tommy Stevens here? Is Jake Zembeck here? You don't know. So, um, you know, I, th- I think that's still the goal. But at the same time, it's 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 often hard to pull that off. And that leads right into our final question. Which players do you see possibly seeing transfer? Do you possibly see transferring or moving on from now until the spring? Yeah, I think you look at the quarterback position. I mean, Tommy Stevens, whether he stays or goes, is going to get his degree at the end of the spring. So yes. I don't think you can. I don't think there's going to be a ton of drama. We'll see what kind of reps he gets in the spring. So I think that's the biggest thing to take away from that. Uh, we talked about Zembeck before, um, and then there's guys all along the roster. I mean, uh, is is time up for Sterling Jenkins? I mean, this is a guy that didn't get very many. I, I don't know if he got any reps, uh, you know, as a tackle this year. Um, so. I well, think he was on scout team, he so on, if he did, it was just one at the kneel down at end of Georgia State. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean you're looking at guys like that.
that, who, you know, is the message there? I mean, Jonathan Thomas, uh, you know, who isn't going to supplant anybody in the running backs room. It's just guys like that. I, I think that you can take away from, you know, are they going to be here or not? Does it have a major impact on the 2018 season? If it doesn't, I mean, that's a potential guy because guys want to play. Yeah. I think you got a crowded cornerback room coming in too now. Yeah. I mean, there's no one in particular, but again, that competition will play itself out and you've been here for a year or two. That's a position where, yeah, John Reed and Amani Orarie might leave, but you're going to have people coming in behind you. And again, a dearth of underclassmen right now, even forget Lamont, uh, Wade and Tree Castro fields, but DJ Brown's in there. Donovan Johnson's in there. Um, Garrett Taylor hadn't moved to safety and that's because there was an opportunity apparently this year and next, but you know, it's a, it's a young, as we said, just room that's been so infused with talent the last couple of years, partly because of numbers. Uh, and obviously the quality player coming in. This is not transfer talk here, but Garrett Taylor and Jonathan Sutherland, huge spring for them. Really excited to see or really anxious to see what they can do out there. So what? So they're leaving. No, they're not. Stop. Stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. No, I'm really anxious to see what they can do this spring. I am too, though. Because we heard with Aaron Monroe, you know, if he's laid up yes. like his Snapchat story or Instagram story or whatever the hell it was said, um, then there's opportunity at safety. There was opportunity at safety to begin with, but Sutherland, Taylor, guys that could probably make the biggest jump this spring. Okay, that wasn't cool. Sorry. You just made me feel very old because I have no idea what's going on with Aaron Monroe's Snapchat story or Instagram story. Oh, wow. The fact that you couldn't know or nail which one it was, it though, was, makes me feel a little bit better. If it makes you feel better, it was cited as a news source this week. So Really? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, well, very uh, very interesting spring for the safety. Jonathan you Sutherland. Get, you got to get hip with the kids like I Oh, am. listen, I have both. I'm just, I just don't know what's going on with Aaron Monroe. I'm not following players on Snapchat to see, you know, if they – video themselves going into surgery or whatever that so. was a good backtrack yes we could put you at corner <laughs> oh, i don't think we'll find out after we have our pro day we're going to talk about these hamstrings later yeah. but, all anyway. right moving on from the podcast we have uh what's it see uh box drums today uh more of these prone manual uh hamstrings and uh i don't know a lot more working out to do before the next podcast sounds like something that's going to happen yes <laughs> well workout will happen what that consists of we'll see uh but thanks for joining us we will have a new guest that i guarantee no one currently listening to this podcast or on our boards can guess who that will be or, w- or sitting beside you actually yeah uh well no i, you know, I told you beforehand right, okay now you're seeming older forgetting yeah. things not listening this is uh this is going great uh so we're gonna end on a high note here but i'm very excited to have this guest it'll be a lengthy conversation covering both penn state football and basketball in his job which is one of the more interesting gigs um i'll just say if uh if you've if you played video games or been watching either penn state hoops or penn state football you've uh, most certainly heard his voice so i'll leave it at that all right have you done those things i don't have time for that is it does he do the voice for fifa and that'd be great no also we're getting dangerously close to losing my tees here <laughs> all right great. all right on that note thanks for joining us we'll see you next time